Father, I pray in this time that you would focus my heart and my mind. Father, I pray that you would keep me from error. We, as we wake up to a, a, a nice white blanket of snow, Father, it's a reminder of your uh, great love for us to forgive us our sins. And I pray even in this time that you would forgive me of my sin. And that you would extend your grace to me and to all of us, that we might know your heart and understand your word. May it be for your glory that you do this. We thank you that you love us that much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Our Advent series, we're calling Anticipation. And you can feel it, can't you? Because it's just this sense of anticipation that's built in to the season of Advent. It's already there. And not only is it there as we you know, uh, get ready to celebrate the incarnation, Jesus, you know, God taking on human flesh, Jesus Christ coming to this world uh, to, to, to show us his kingdom and to, uh, to die in our place, to bring salvation and new life. It's all, uh, we're just preparing our hearts for that. And we do things that intentionally you know, elevate the anticipation. We do things like lighting reeds, and it will get brighter and brighter as we get closer and closer to the celebration. And, and we put lights up and trees up and signs of life and light in a season and in a world that can be very dark as well. And so we are, um, it, we, we participate with our community to do things like that too. There's, there was a, last weekend, there was a big tree lighting in Andover, and there was some of the, the free church folks were, were participating. And actually, I brought a, um, I brought a little uh, newspaper article. We got some good press on this one. So here's, uh, this is from the Andover Townsman on Thursday. There's pictures of people. There's, oh, so you can't just light a tree, right? You got to get everybody gathered around. It's not enough to flip the switch. You got to get everybody counting down. Ten, nine, eight. And then everybody's excited, and then they flip the switch, and everybody's dancing and singing, and then there's fireworks this year, which was pretty cool. But it says, I'll read a little excerpt from this, it's pretty good. It says, at 46 degrees, the temperature was a tad on the chilly side, but the group from the Free Christian Church must have sung for almost an hour nonstop. Uh, must have sung almost nonstop for nearly an hour. Quote, we wanted to celebrate the good news of Christ with the town, explained Fernando Castro, the choir director, who accompanied these singers with an electronic keyboard. It's very descriptive. Um, but that, that's what it is, is we want to share this celebration of Christ with, the, with our towns and with the places uh, that God has placed us. And um, I think that's a little generous where it says 46 degrees was a tad chilly. I think on a Friday night in December, 46 degrees is downright bomb. But they see my Brazilian friend Fernando on a keyboard and they feel bad for him. They say it's a quote, tad chilly, um, he'll get used to it. So, um, oh, but, so we, we, we join in this buildup. Now, we have to admit, too, though, that not all the buildup towards Christmas is, is good for us. There's pressure that builds, pressure to spend money and buy a gift and to buy the right gift, the perfect gift. There's the pressure of a gathering family. There's the stresses of gathering family. There's past hurts and struggles in family that get, can get amplified this time of year. So as we build towards this celebration, sometimes it can make us anxious and it can, it can hurt even, all this anticipation. Now, 
think of this concept of anticipation onto the first Christmas. You know, Jesus doesn't just plunk down into human history on the scene, kind of unannounced, and nobody, there's no sense that anything is supposed to happen in the world. Uh, we, you know, there's, we have a God who is revealing himself through time and history to his people. And there was an expectation of one who was to come. And each week during this series, we're taking a look at these, some of these promises that God had made and those who were anticipating the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. And last week, we, uh, Mac was sharing about the uh, expectation of, of Simeon and Anna and as they were awaiting the one who was to come, the one who was going to be the consolation of Israel, the one who was going to, to bring the comfort and, and true peace to the world. Today, we're going to look at this promise from God, which is it's, uh, printed on your back of your bulletin there, that the Lord said that he was going to raise up for them a prophet like Moses, from among the Israelites, and God would put his words in their mouth. This is a prophet like Moses who was to come, and there was a promise. Now, the context of this passage is, again, the part that's not printed, is there's a warning to the people against trying to find spiritual knowledge, to gain human understanding apart from God, seeking divine help. So it talked about things like sorcery and divination and interpreting omens and witchcraft and casting spells and uh, consulting with the dead and all these things that people in that day, and, and quite honestly, this has been sort of a resurgence of this, people trying to connect on the spiritual realm apart from, from God and Jesus. And, and God said, these things are, are detestable to me. Do not do that. I am going to raise up a prophet. And I'll put my words in the prophet's mouth. And that's who you listen to. And Moses, more than anybody, clearly saw how God would use his prophets to um, increase the revelation and the knowledge of God. And no other religion in the world has this, uh, has this sense of a line of people as those in Israel, you know, step by step, God was calling them to help people to understand who he was. He's revealing himself to the world a bit at a time, and, and one message at a time, and one warning at a time. And, and the, so the point is, you don't have to try to find spiritual knowledge. God says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put words that you'll understand in people's mouths, and that's what you're going to listen to. So it's pointing to all these prophets, but it's also pointing to a prophet. Again, there's some instructions afterwards. How do you know if a prophet is a true prophet, a false prophet? But there's a prophet. All the prophets who came after Moses, they, and they ministered in different ways and in different times and contexts, but they were all sort of pointing forward to this ultimate prophet, this ultimate time. And this is fulfilled. The prophet, the ultimate prophet was Jesus. His followers knew it. When uh, the, the church was first formed and one of the disciples, Peter, had healed a crippled man and he and everybody wanted to know what happened. And he's going on this long explanation of what had happened, how this man was healed, and, and who Jesus was. And he says in Acts chapter 3, verse two, uh, 22 and following, he quotes this verse. He says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. And he says this, indeed, 
All the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days, the days of Jesus. That promise is now fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And in these things that you're seeing now, miracles and, and, and new life and all these things that are happening are because of Jesus. The, the verse that Tiffany opened our worship with, Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the whole universe. It's Jesus. So God used these prophets, but now in our day, he's used Jesus. So why is that important to us? Why, why do we shovel our driveways and come here to, to consider this? Here's why this is an important message for us. When, when God was unfolding his plan to the world, let's say through a leader like Moses, how did the people follow Moses? Do, do you recall some of these accounts in the Old Testament? Here's some of how people reacted to Moses' leadership. They were impatient. The people he was leading were ungrateful in spite of the great freedom from slavery that they had just experienced. They were prone to wander, prone to doubt and lose sight of what God was doing in their midst. Jesus comes on the scene. Do you remember the guys he was trying to lead? How they reacted towards him? They were impatient, ungrateful for the deliverance they were experiencing. They were prone to wander, prone to doubt and lose sight of what God was doing in their midst. Now consider us this morning. We can, we can be the exact same way at times. Life is hard. We get frustrated. We get impatient. You know, God is at work, but the everyday frustrations of life, the setbacks, the losses that we experience in life make us prone to lose sight of what God is doing, what God is unfolding in the world around us. So we just need to refocus on the Savior, refocus on Jesus, the one who brings the hope and the freedom and the joy that nothing in this world could ever take away no matter what you experience. Again, focus on him doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Focus on him means you're not alone and you can grow to understand what he is doing in the midst of whatever you face. So I want to look at three things real quick. Um, I, I want to just clarify, what is prophecy? I've used this word a whole bunch. There's a prophet like Moses. What are we talking about prophecy? Um, how is Jesus a prophet like Moses? We'll do that together, have a little interactive time. And then just lastly, how does this make a difference for us? So what is a prophet, first of all? So prophecy is something. It's a word, it's a message, it's an idea that's given from God to an individual that's spoken into a specific context. So it could be spoken into a personal context or it could be spoken in a cultural context. Such a message could go to a nation, or a message could go to, as Jonah, say, is a prophet to Nineveh, or to an individual, as Nathan was a prophet to King David. You just, it could be either kind of a context. Now, prophecy is not necessarily predicting the future. We often think of prophecy as people you know, predicting future events. There can be an element of foretelling in prophecy, but it's usually... Usually prophecy is just describing what's going to happen if you keep doing what you're doing. This is, this is a, it's, it's a word of warning or it's a word of reminder about who God is and who you are and, and the way things will go if you uh, follow God and experience 
what he has in store for you or if you ignore him and go your own way and what to expect. And in that sense, it can be very predictive. So in the Old Testament, there was all different kinds of prophets. There were prophets who wrote, and we have their writings, and we can read those in your Bible. But then in the New Testament, prophecy still plays a role in a little bit of a different way. And really, as I understand, the the office of prophet is is much more open to to many people. And this was predicted by the Old Testament prophets that uh, that, uh, men and women would prophesy and that it would be, you know, there would be this outpouring of God's spirit. And so we, how do we experience it today? I mean, in some ways, prophecy is a lot like teaching. Teaching is rooted in scripture. Uh, prophecy is more spontaneous. It's when God brings something to mind suddenly for someone. You may have experienced that. So I, I've talked to a number of you who say, you know, I was talking with somebody and God just put a verse from scripture right in my mind and I just shared it with somebody and it meant everything to them when I shared And those spontaneous messages from God that you give to someone else, that's, that's prophecy. That's God giving you a word and you speaking it to a context. Sometimes we experience prophecy in, as we pray. That we'll pray for somebody and maybe you're praying for somebody. You just ask God God, what do you want me to pray for this person? Give me words to pray, because I don't have them. And if praying for somebody who's in a really tough place, sometimes we're prone to want to wanna give advice quickly or to help them, but God can give us words to comfort. And that's, that is prophetic. That is God giving the word to us, to the context. Um, so if you ever wanted to seek uh, a prophetic word from God. Scripture, actually, the New Testament says that we should, we actually should desire to experience that. And I would encourage us, because of the reality of sin in the world, sin in our lives, that we can't prophesy perfectly, that we always have our own baggage and sin that we bring to the table. So we need to be careful not to walk around saying, thus says the Lord, Dan, to you. Because I may believe God has given me a good word for you, and I want to share it with you, but I also need to have the humility to know that I don't perfectly hear God all the time. So with, but, with, but we can also have confidence that God does speak to us, so it's, we have to hold confidence and humility together as we do these things. People have come to me before and say, you know, God wants us to do this. God told me this. And I think, hmm, that's a pretty interesting thing God told you. He certainly didn't tell me that. And uh, I, there's, we, we don't always hear perfectly. But that's why we have each other. And as God is, is, his spirit is moving in a group of people, that God can move a number of people's hearts in the same direction. We can really hear God's voice together. So it's humility, I guess the confidence and the humility hand in hand to understand this. So, um, so Moses was indeed a prophet is in that, in, to the extent that, very clearly, Moses received God's word and shared it with the people. Messages from God. He had very close communion and communication with God. And Jesus is a prophet like Moses. He was the one that God was to, to bring to the world. But Jesus is greater than Moses. If Moses is communicating God's word, Jesus, as we understand, is God's word. The word made flesh come to this world. That's why he is... The, the greater Moses, the, the one who was to come. So how is Jesus a prophet like Moses? And we can understand this, this is kind of our, our 
second thing here. Jesus is a prophet like Moses, and here we go, we're going to get a little interactive. We can understand this as we look at Moses' life and Jesus' life and some of the, some parallels. So my question is, does anybody have any sense of a parallel that you know, if you're familiar with Moses' life and Jesus' life, from the, from the very time when they were just babies, um, how their lives might have been a little bit similar? And I'll give you a hint. The passage that we read today alludes to it. So, the Matthew passage. Anybody? This is out loud now. I'm no longer just rhetorical and asking you to think about it. Okay. Young man in the front says, somebody is trying to kill him. Yeah, you've got a a leader, a king, who is trying to wipe out baby boys as a threat to his own leadership. So, Moses, you know, Pharaoh, that... The, the, the Jews were multiplying and, and they, they were slaves, but they were becoming very numerous, so they were trying to, to uh, wipe them out and reduce their numbers. And Moses was able to escape from that. And you can, can read that in your, your Bible in Exodus. Um, and Jesus, same thing. When he was born, there was a king who was threatened by Jesus and wanted to wipe him out and actually just started wiping out uh, and killing baby boys. And, and Jesus was able to escape uh, from this warning that his family received, they were able to go to Egypt. Is there any... Does, now, that Jesus escapes to Egypt, is, did anybody else know, can think of a parallel between Moses and Jesus at this point? Just You could yell one word, maybe the name of a country. Egypt! That's right. So... What, what is Jesus doing in Egypt? He has to escape there, but now he's coming up out of Egypt to, uh, to usher in this new kingdom. And Moses led his, you know, God's people out of Egypt into a promised land, into a new kingdom. So this is kind of a, a neat parable there. Uh, and, and a parallel there, excuse me. Um, does, so both, I'll give you another one. I'll give you a free one. Both Moses and Jesus spent time in the wilderness before they, and I'm not talking about the wilderness wandering after they left Egypt. This is before Moses was called to go to Pharaoh and to get, you know, let my people go, that whole thing. He had escaped and kind of went to this place called Midian, which was really just a wilderness kind of place. Jesus also prepared for his earthly ministry by spending time in the wilderness before he sort of began his public ministry. They both had this wilderness time. Does anybody know what Moses did for work when he was in the wilderness? Yes. Moses was a shepherd for his father-in-law. He he worked for his father-in-law. He was a shepherd. When Jesus came, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So again, here's another, there's a lot of, mo- you, as you read through the life of Moses and you think about Jesus and what he did and what he accomplished. Um, so what is the mo- what's the most famous thing Moses is famous for? What the, the most famous thing would you say? Okay, Ten Commandments is, could, is on that, the top list. Parting the Red Sea. Okay, those are pretty, those are pretty high on the list. I'd say, so this whole, this whole, the, all of, Famous stuff Moses did. Yeah? Leading the people out of uh, Egypt. Yeah, leading them out of Egypt. So these are all aspects of the same thing. It's this, this exodus. It's, it's leaving Egypt with the people. The Red Sea parts, and they, they are rescued. The people, God's people, are rescued from slavery. The most famous thing Jesus did 
was die on a cross, and three days later rise again from the dead. And he did that to rescue God's people from the slavery of sin. Jesus himself said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That is a worse type of slavery than anything that was experienced in Egypt or in any place, that we are so bound and destroyed by our own sin, our own propensity, our own brokenness that leads us away from God and, and wants us to be the Lord of our own life and wants us to do what we want and not what God wants. And this slavery is just this great oppression over God's people. And, and through the blood of Jesus, we are led out of that slavery into new life. It's, it's a new way of relating to God. They, both these prophets, Moses and Jesus, brought about a new covenant, a new promise of God. That Moses was a covenant of law. He said, you are to, I am the Lord your God. You are my people. You are, I, I will be with you, but you need to obey all that I command. And Jesus came and ushered in a new covenant of grace. Hebrews chapter 9 describes it like this. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called may receive promised eternal inheritance. Now he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So under the Moses covenant, there's just more and more failure in, in failing to obey the covenant. And now uh, Jesus dies to pay the penalty in our place as our substitute that we might receive new life in this new covenant. So, so what? And that's just scratching the surface on the Moses-Jesus parallels. You can just read through uh, Moses' life again. A um, couple things. The new lights in the back are fantastic. I cannot see the clock, which is so risky for everybody else in the room. It makes no difference to me what time it is. No, no I've got it. I've got my, my clock. What difference does this make? That Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Um, Look at verse 19 in your, your Deuteronomy text here. God says, I myself, so I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, like Moses. Verse 19, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. This big so what here is listen to him. When there was this moment in the life of Jesus I'm pulling a lot of Bible tidbits today, so I, if you're not familiar with some of these, I really encourage you to, to, to take a look. But in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, it, it's accounted in the other Gospels as well, but it, there was this moment where Jesus' glory was revealed. We call it the, the transfiguration. And it was this amazing moment. But there's a cloud appeared and enveloped, and, and actually Moses shows up. So the heavenly realm and the earthly realm are just... Um, open to one another in this one moment and these, uh, just a handful of disciples get to see it up close. It was, it's just this amazing thing. But a voice comes from this cloud. It's the cloud of God's presence. And he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. We can have confidence in Jesus' words. All the prophecy predicting that he would come is it's fulfilled in him. All the things about the future have, have come to be and all the things that he's saying about the future that will come are certain, it's all true, it's all, you know, we, we can go about our day-to-day -day life and lose sight of that and think, you know, what, what am, am I doing the right things? Am I 
what is my life for? What's the purpose of today? You know, we doubt ourselves, especially around, especially around New Year's. Like, did I have a good year? Did I accomplish enough? You know, milestones, my, my, my birthday's next week. You know, I think about, what have I accomplished this far in my life? You know, did I, have I done enough? Am I doing the right things? And here, we, have, we can reground ourselves. Instead of having all this doubt and wandering, we can be confident in who we are in what we are doing as we focus on his words. So we fix, the, I guess the, the thing to do is to fix your thoughts on him. Hebrews chapter three says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Again, Jesus-Moses connection. But Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Moses was a faithful as a servant in all of God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope that we profess and the hope in which we boast. If we can just consume our thoughts and fix our minds on Jesus and his words, again, Hebrews chapter 12 says, consider Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's where it hits us because we are prone to grow weary day to day. We are prone to lose heart. We are prone to just forget. But yet we can fix our thoughts on him, consider what he endured. Can, when we suffer, when we sense loss in our lives, we can see what Jesus endured on the cross, knowing that God is unfolding his good purposes through it, and we know that that same truth is for us as well. I'll say this, you also have an opportunity, understanding this gives you an opportunity to talk to your Jewish friends and coworkers and neighbors, for some of, some of you, even family members, to uh, pique their interest. And Jesus said, if you believed Moses, you'd believe me because he wrote about me. And it's amazing how much you know, Moses and Jesus are, are alike in their ministry. Jesus much greater, obviously. Um, there was one time we went to a, a Passover Seder at, at, the, at a temple in Andover, one of the Jewish temples. And I remember the rabbi said to me, he said, you, we brought some students to experienced this. And he said, your students believe this stuff more than ours do. Because they knew, they believe. They believe in Moses and in all these things. And, and uh, there are certain Jews today that just see these things more metaphorical, that these things didn't, perhaps actually didn't even happen. And anyway, we have an open door there. But, so you can consider that as well. But for us, primarily considering that we do not grow weary and lose heart. This has been, so personally, this has been a tough year for me personally. My family, uh, some of you know, I had a very close friend of mine, my cousin, uh, died at 39 years old. He had a brief battle with pancreatic cancer. And walking with him and his wife and his two young children, and just personally walking through that, just been hard. And I haven't talked a lot about it because it's just been hard to talk about. And it hurts. And there's a deep sense of loss. And, and I'm not alone. There are many, even in this room, who are also grieving the loss of, of loved ones and death and illnesses and, and other things that threaten our, 
lives and our existence. And I can tell you, it's easy to lose heart. And life is hard, but you're not alone. And just as God has been accomplishing his purposes through all time, he continues to accomplish them in us. Let me read this verse one more time, finish with this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such great opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us pray. God, you are good. We thank you that you are a God who has revealed yourself again and again in, in this progressive way through just through years of faithfulness and speaking through your servants, the prophets, and through your word, the Bible, and ultimately, Lord, through Jesus Christ, whose entrance into this world we celebrate together as a community. I pray that we would cling to his words, that we would be obedient to his word, that we would receive the grace that he offers us by what he accomplished on the cross. Help us to be people who are just obsessed with Jesus and his word. And may that change our hearts as we go out into our everyday, Lord. Do your good work in our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.